Welcome to Engineering Change, the podcast designed to help redefine engineering by re-imaging who we see as engineers and what we see as engineering, de-siloing academic programs, research, and problem solving, and fine-tuning academic and workforce culture and climate so people from all backgrounds and identities can succeed. Each episode will leave you with strategies to put into practice wherever you are in the process of engineering change. And now, here's your host, Dr. Yvette E. Pearson. Institutions of higher education in the U.S. continue to struggle to hire, retain, and advance faculty members who represent our diverse society, especially in science and engineering. This is largely because many programs over the past several decades have been little more than box-checking exercises that have resulted in tokenism and tokenism rather than strategic efforts that are needed to identify and address the root causes of the dearth of STEM faculty from minoritized and marginalized identities. The National Science Foundation's Alliances for Graduate Education and the Professoriate, or AGEP, program is striving to change that by funding alliances of institutions that work together to identify, mitigate, and ultimately eradicate systemic barriers to success for STEM faculty from racially and ethnically minoritized identities while studying, disseminating, and reproducing those strategies to produce large-scale, sustainable change. While working to understand and fix our broken systems. AGEP projects also help dissertators, postdocs, and early career faculty members build toolkits and communities that help them thrive. This episode is the first of a two-part series in which I had the great pleasure of speaking with current and past participants in AGEP projects. These outstanding scholars were selected to serve as lighthouse beacons at the 2022 AGEP conference hosted by Texas A&M University Corpus Christi in November. Most of our conversations in this episode focus on how AGEP has impacted their journeys. In the next episode, we'll get their perspectives on institutional strategies for fostering their success in the professoriate. Joining us today are Dr. Luis de Jesus Baez, Assistant Professor of Chemistry at the University at Buffalo, Brianna Gonzalez, Integrative Neuroscience PhD candidate at Stony Brook University, Gretchen Johnson, Biology PhD candidate at Howard University, Diego Padilla Garcia, PhD candidate in Psychological and Brain Sciences at the University of California, Santa Barbara, Dr. Alicia Robinson, Assistant Professor of Biology at Tuskegee University, Dr. Tammy Taylor, Assistant Professor of Biology at Jackson State University, Dr. Siobhan Whiten, Lead Scientist at Booz Allen Hamilton, and Dr. Michael D. Witt, Assistant Professor of Biomedical Engineering at California State University, San Luis Obispo. So, grab a latte and join us as we dive into engineering change with our AGEP Lighthouse Beacons. 
thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to have this chance to talk to you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm glad to be part of this. So happy to be here. Yes, likewise. Thank you for the opportunity. Happy to be here. Excited to be here as well. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having us, having me. <laughs> yes, I'm very excited to be here as well, Dr. Pearson. Thank you for having me as well. Yeah, so you're kind of in different places with AGAP and different places in your career. And I think one thing that would be of interest to our audience is just to learn about how you got to know about AGAP and what your role is with AGAP now. Well, what's really interesting is when I was actually in my graduate studies, there was a program that's similar to AGAP that I participated in in Mississippi. And so it's nice that now that I'm in the professorate, that I am a part of another, I guess, continuation of the AGAP program. So they've, I've been around AGAP for maybe the last 10 to 15 years. And so I'm affiliated with AGAP now through the AGAP PATHS Fellows Program. It's a grant initiative between three HBCUs, Jackson State University, Tuskegee University, and Tennessee State University, where they are recruiting assistant professors to help us through the tenure and promotion process with helping us be successful with that. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of times when people think of AGAP, they only think about students. And AGAP is one of those programs that spans from PhD level students who are at the dissertation level all the way through early career faculty because the purpose of the program is to get more people from racially and ethnically minoritized identities in the STEM professoriate. So attending to that whole pathway, and I liked the name for that program, PATHS, is really a critical part. And so, Diego, you're in a different place, but not correct, just yeah. geographically, but in a different place in the <laughs> yes, program. Both are correct, yeah. Yeah, so I am one of those uh, PhD dissertation students currently, and I first heard about this actually being a participant in a study where they're collecting data on graduate student and graduate student perspectives of like the professor and like having conversations with your graduate advisor and how comfortable you are speaking with them regarding your future, maybe not considering academia, because that tends to be the norm in our field of social psychology. And so I was actually a participant in a study first when I started to hear about it when I was in my, I think, second year of graduate school. And then and then I actually heard the, the one of the graduate students working on it, which was a, a close friend of mine when she was still here at University of California, Santa Barbara. She presented some of the data that they had been collecting and like kind of the project and the overarching goals and th things. And I became fascinated. I was like, this is really cool. So finally, when it came my time that I could be eligible for, I was like, I'm, I'm going to apply. And so now I'm just uh, at the very beginning of it. And I'm being mentored by a faculty member at a different campus. And it's been a fantastic experience. I'm like learning a lot. And this is just the beginning. I already feel like I've learned so much. That gives some great information to those of us who have been in positions or are currently in positions where we're leading AGAP projects because we're always trying to think of how we make sure students are even aware or faculty are even aware that it's going on. And so it certainly sounds like making connections to other programs, as Licia mentioned, as well as having those opportunities for the scholars to share their experiences in that kind of peer or near peer, those kinds of conversations and interactions are a key part of that. How I found out about it was 
the PI, the principal investigator on our grant, Dr. Danny Alameda at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which is where I teach, notified me about the program. And it was a great opportunity to meet other faculty of color at the entire CSU system, not only at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo for me. And I had some great mentors at the other universities and learned more about the Cal State system. And it's been a great community to be a part of. So I'm excited and have have appreciated and enjoyed being a part of it. So I was a part of the TexArm AGAP program, which is through the Texas A&M system between Texas A&M College Station, Prairie View A&M, Texas A&M Kingsville, and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. So I was able to visit and interact with each of those respective institutions, have a few seminar series at Prairie View A&M during my time shortly after earning my PhD. So I was actually on the other side of AGAP, actually in the program. And I learned about AGAP through Dr. Karen Butler-Perry, who is the lead for the Texas A&M AGAP program. And just was at a point in my PhD process where quitting was not an option, but it was something that came across my mind every day in my process. So uh, really being able to connect with the Texas A&M AGAP program or TexArm program helped to thrust and propel me through the last portion or from the becoming a doctoral candidate towards the end of my PhD process. So I was very grateful to join that community and all that it provided. You know, you said something there, quitting is not an option and it crossed your mind. I think when sometimes when we have undergraduate students or graduate students, and they see those of us who have completed our PhDs or in some cases who have had these extensive industry and government and academia experiences, they think that we never thought of quitting. They think sometimes that that, that we're on this pedestal, that we didn't face these challenges. And I think that's a very important story to tell. And so I'm I'm interested in what you might say to a PhD student or undergraduate student for that matter, who says, you know what, I just, I don't know. I feel like this is it for me. (laughs) What what was it? Was it something in AGAP that said, keep going? I think AGAP actually came to me at a really, it couldn't have come at a better time. I had just finished sitting for my prelims in the Department of Entomology at Texas A&M, where I probably was one, when you think of an entomologist, you don't think of a person who looks like me, (laughs) but definitely a very well-known program, but it definitely was a very rigorous and challenging time for me. So I joined AGAP pretty much after having failed my preliminary exams and quitting was almost, an, it wasn't an option, but it was something that was put on the table before me. So that community helped me to be able to pre- go back to the drawing board, prepare a lot of the folks that I met through the program, share their stories with me. And so when I sat again for my qualifying exams and passed, it was pretty much like those were the folks that I recall even the night before defending, being in the room, helping me to prepare, go through my presentation over and over again. So AGAP definitely came at, it couldn't have come at a perfect, a better time in in my process. You know, what you just said there, we could take a whole nother episode and talk about, but I want to get to Brianna, but let's put a pin in that because when you said quitting was an option that was put on the table for you, 
that right there. But but we're going to get to Brianna because I'll go off on a whole tangent with that one. <laughs> yeah. So I found out about AGAP through this really great community of diverse students and scholars at Stony Brook. It's the Center for Inclusive Education. Most of the fellowships that I've received during my time in graduate school has been through this center. And in my last final years at Stony Brook, I found out about AGEP and this particular program that we have at Stony Brook was a partnership between predominantly undergraduate institutions, which I had no experience in previously. I went to University of Florida, which is a huge research university. And now Stony Brook is a pretty large research university as well. So I was like, Hmm, I wonder how different this would be from what I'm used to. I really love teaching, and I knew that these colleges close by, we have Farmingdale State College and Suffolk County Community College, and also Brookhaven National Laboratory is part of our AGAP Alliance also. So that was just another great opportunity. I was like, yes, I want to be an AGAP fellow. So I applied, and I got in, and I'm just so grateful for the experience as well. I love that because I think a lot of times it get lost gets lost that some of us enter academia because we love to teach. That that was my story. And I found that when I talked to many of our AGEP scholars at my previous institution, many of them weren't even aware that something other than an R1 institution existed. They didn't know that there were these institutions that were predominantly undergraduate institutions. They didn't know that there were faculty positions that are more teaching focused and not research focused. They didn't know about opportunities for STEM education research that would enhance the teaching and learning experience. And so for you to find out about that and to have that, aha, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. It's just really exciting. Absolutely. I loved it. What what would you say then would be the most impactful aspects of the AGEP program so far? Yeah. So for me, like I'm at the beginning still, so I'm, I still have yet to develop like a full great answer, but so far I can already see how this might be impacting me twofold. Well, so far the, the summer workshops were fantastic. They already started molding and I already started to put into practice into the classroom because I got the opportunity to teach my own classroom over the summer and I got to do the workshops first. And so I, I was just testing out some of the skills, almost like treating it like a, the classroom was my little experiment and playing around with some of the tools that the, the summer workshops were, were equipping me with. And it was great. I had a great time with my students. I think they responded well. And it also through that was starting to give me more confidence. So I can already see that it's impacting me that way is like I'm getting tools I'm getting familiarity with certain like ways that you might teach a class and in ways that you might engage a student. But the other way I think it's very impactful is not just on a personal level, but also just the way I'm going to teach from now on. Mm-hmm. Because I've learned so much, and especially when it comes to who the student is and really taking into account their identity, their background, their difficulties, barriers that might inhibit them from learning something, from paying attention to class, even as, as like, I don't want to call it superficial, but even as something as we don't think about sometimes as, as they might be hungry and that affects your brain. Absolutely. And so these, this program has started to make me really take that into account. And so now I feel like for my future classes, I'm only going to take that more into account and really start to morph that way. So not only is it impacting me, but that can then have a deep impact, impact on the students and then they can go on impact and so on and so forth. So it can go on that way too. 
Exactly. Yeah. No, nobody's going to be able to concentrate on learning when, when your stomach is growling. Exactly. Yeah. As I've been in the AGAP program, I completed a capstone project. And so in that capstone project, I was, I had the, the chance or the opportunity to create a, or develop a STEM summer program. And so this has been an idea that I've had, or like a vision, an idea I have had for a long, long time. And so in the capstone project, doing, completing that gave me this ability to kind of sketch that entire thing out and see how this would actually work. And I got really good feedback from professor and, and also my peers about this particular program that I was developing. And so then the skills that I learned from completing that then that got translated into my fieldwork aspect of my research. So while I was on St. Helena Island conducting research, I was on that island for literally six months. And so, so I'll just back up. So St. Helena is just this, I know many people don't know about it, but it's a remote island off the coast of Southwest Africa. It's like a thousand miles off the coast, but it's really, really small. So it's considered like one of the world's most remote islands. Anyhow, so I was living there for six months. So while I was also conducting my research, I also had the opportunity to kind of work with the community and actually create interdisciplinary research opportunities for the school system on St. Helena Island. So while I was there, I was kind of, really engage in the community because I saw a need where there was this need in the community where individuals there, they have never seen like a black woman scientist, even though I'm coming from America, they're like, wow. And you're doing this research. That's not only helping our community understand our history, but also kind of place it in world history. And so I had this opportunity to kind of feed into or pour into the people there. And then I worked with community organizations on the Island. And so that's how I was able to like kind of stimulate this Island while interest in genetics and like ancient DNA research and all of this stuff. And so it kind of like blossomed into this entire group of opportunities and students were excited. Parents are excited. Community organizations are excited. I was like on a live, also ended up creating a live radio show. It was a whole, it, awesome. it into an entire <laughs> thing. And so these, the groundwork and the skills for all of that creation on that, on St. Helia Island actually was was started in AGAP. And so that AGAP being able to be in AGAP and learning critical skills and foundational work and things like that blossomed into a whole bunch of, it actually enhanced my research um, progress on the island in itself. So that was really, it was exciting because I saw just the real application of everything that I was learning and how it actually was translated, the skills I learned and like the culturally sensitive pedagogy, understanding diverse, creating diverse curriculums, all that stuff. Like I was like, it just came to came full circle. (laughs) And it's interesting. You use the term blossom because as you were speaking, I was thinking of your experience with AGAP with the summer program as a seed. And when you said blossom, I was like, that's it. It just really grew into all of these different pieces. So Awesome. I want to learn more about that, but I want to go ahead to Tammy just to get a sense of how AGEP has impacted your journey. So I was able to go to like NSF workshops, NIH workshops to help me write grants. And with that experience with AGEP, I learned how to change my clinical science-based type of research to more basic type of research. So I went from like 
working with mice, uh, inducing stroke in mice to now looking at Jackson Heart Study data. And we're doing statistical analysis, looking at um, Jackson Heart Study patients with pre who are predispositioned to have a stroke. And so now we're, I'm kind of relating some of the Jackson Heart Study data to like our stroke uh, type of research. And okay. then I want to get funded for that. Now having to go from clinical science stroke studies to now just statistical analysis reports, it's kind of hard for me because my whole career is all I've been doing was clinical science research. But with the AGAPS program, it has really, really helped me with all of the mentors I've had. And these mm-hmm. are full tenured professors. And I'm just like, I'm at the baby stages. I'm an assistant, but I'm and, going and to I was about to say, and, and everybody like, had to, and everybody had to go that route if they're on that tenure track. So don't yeah, say so I'm just. <laughs> yeah. So by me being in that program and having Having these mentors that have gone through like the trenches, everything that I'm going through now, they've already gone through it. And mm-hmm. to actually be able to sit there and have conversations with them, just like I'm having with you guys. But we have a little bit more like just open floor type of conversations. Hey, this is what's going on. This is what they keep saying about when I submit my grant. This is the issues. And they're like, OK, well, we can fix these issues, get a collaborator, get this, get, they, they'll kind of give me some pointers on things to do. If you didn't have, if I wasn't in the program, I wouldn't have that. And it's like, I feel like I have a cheat sheet on how to get to where I'm trying to get to. And, that, I love and that's that. a good opportunity to have. Yeah. Yeah. Having those mentors, but I'd say also those champions and sponsors. So Mm -hmm. who are going to be able to put your name out there in rooms that you might not even be in, I think is is so critically important. I know for me specifically, just because most minority serving institutions, most are teaching institutions at heart. So Mm -hmm. we have very, very heavy course loads. And so helping us carve out time to write grants successfully or giving us the that those tools we need to be as successful when writing and submitting grants has been one of the like the second key thing that's been very pivotal for us in the AGAPS PATH program that they've done. They've supplied us with a team of we call them our red team members, yes. uh, but they are there to always review view our grant submissions at every step to make sure that we are going to be as successful as possible. And so awesome. for us junior faculty who are just submitting some grants or major grants for the first time to have those critiques early. Yes. It's always helpful. And so, yes, it, it, in this, yeah, in this last, what, two years, or uh, I've been successful with getting three grants. And so I'm excited awesome. to move forward uh, with it, but yes. Yeah, that, that is so critical. I know I've, I, in my consulting business, one of the things we do is help people with proposal development and it runs the gambit. Sometimes people come to, to us with proposals that got rejected in the last cycle and there's like, they're coming to us saying, hey, help us fix it. Or they're mm-hmm. coming to us with a brand new idea saying we want to submit for this opportunity and we just start from scratch. But when they bring that proposal that's already written and say, you know, help us with it, I always start with a disclaimer. I'm like, this is going to sound harsh, but it's really not intended to be that way. 
I want you to, I want to do as much as I can to help you clean it up before it goes to the reviewers. Cause what you don't want (laughs) is for the reviewers to say these things. And I try to do it the same way I've done as an NSF reviewer, the same way as I've done as an NSF program officer. It's Mm -hmm. really giving critical feedback in a constructive way so that it's helping to improve the ideas and improve the outcomes from the project. So having that red team built into the program, I think is just absolutely genius. Yes, yes, yes. And the name signifies what your proposal looks like when it comes back. It's red. Uh, but it's yes. all helpful. It's all helpful information. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I I would dare to say that like it's not related to what they actually teach in the workshops. It's actually more related to the people that you meet at the workshops. Ah. It's a. I think it's a beautiful thing to be able to like look next to you, right? And it's a group of individuals, all professionals, because we all have bachelors, right? Yes. All professionals that like, we are going through the same thing. We're looking for, we're envisioning a future where we're part of this thing called academia, right? And, and we are here to like support each other. And I, that's been my experience because again, all of those soft skills that you learn of like, how to think about a manuscript, how to think about a presentation, how to connect networking. I was privileged enough to be able to have all of that training as an undergraduate, thanks mm-hmm. to the RISE program. When I went to AGEP, and while those soft skills were, you know, uh, strengthened, I was able to notice that the real reason I was there is to build up community. And 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 AGEP was just the the vehicle to to be able to create that community. Everything else was completely fine, right? Like the information that like they give for like how to have all these soft skills is 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 on point. Is 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 modern. Is is goes into like our experiences. But I think that that person next to you, when you are in the workshops, when you are like in if, if it is a day of writing or whatever, like that, that person is your colleague now, even though it's in another discipline. So that person is the one that you want to connect with. And I think that's way more powerful. That side, sideways energy is way more powerful than necessarily the exchange that is happening with the host. In, in my opinion, obviously. Yeah. So I, I guess as a, as a student, what parts of the AGEP program resonate most with you? I think the mentorship was probably the best part. I was able to have a great mentoring relationship with a woman who I could see myself like being in the same position as her. She's the department chair of the psychology department at Farmingdale State College. She has such a strong passion for teaching. And just, I I got to sit in on a couple of her classes and just see the way that she really kept the students engaged and excited about learning. Um, I was like, I want to be her. Like I, as a As a PhD student, we don't really get the opportunity for teaching mentoring as much as Mm -hmm. we do research mentoring. Yes. So being part of this program gave me a whole different side of the mentoring that I needed as a graduate student. I wanted both the research and the teaching. So this is like the missing piece that I was like searching for. And I'm so happy um, that this program exists. 
Yeah. And what you said there about seeing someone who shared your identities and are at least some of your identities and how critically important that is. And that's one of the that's one of the things that Agev is really striving for is to increase the representation, especially for those from racially and or ethnically minoritized identity in the STEM professoriate, because and Dr. Witt, we were having this conversation just before we started about coming through and not having the opportunity to see someone who looked like us when we were at that stage of our journeys. And I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit. Oh, oh no, I'd love to, to expound on that. I know from a historical standpoint that my undergraduate is at, from Purdue University, which is where the National Society of Black Engineers was founded. And I really, as a student, didn't understand the history of how it started and really my first conversation with someone understanding the history of how it started was one of my first jobs as after undergraduate was working at Eli Lilly and company and one of the managers his name was Bobby Taylor and he told me he was a Purdue graduate on the board of trustees at Purdue and he told me that when he went to Purdue he couldn't live on campus and I thought to myself that doesn't seem right. You know, I, my freshman year, I lived in a dorm and I, you know, everything that I took for granted, he couldn't take for granted. Right. And as I learned more about the story about there's kind of a very key day that the African-American students at Purdue marched on what is now the Hubdi Hall, which is the administration building where they marched and they stacked bricks in front of the administration building and they left the sign with the demands which became things that affected me 30 years later the nesby national society of black engineers started we had a black cultural center all those Mm -hmm. things that they did that day it was like six months after martin luther king died all those things they did that day impacted me and i didn't realize that while i was going through the process of being an undergraduate so so there's as going through, and I started an industry, as I mentioned before, I didn't see any people of color in industry and, and starting up companies and going into academia. I actually see more in academia than I saw in corporate America. And so for me, I enjoy the camaraderie. A big part of that, that's a big part of what the AGAP program that I enjoyed was that camaraderie of meeting with other people around the Cal State system that were faculty of color that generally you don't get that in corporate America. And I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the camaraderie of having other faculty of color. That's something I value. Exactly. Well, thank you all so much. I really appreciate you taking time to talk to me today. And I look forward to getting to meet you in person, hopefully at the conference and hanging out with you there. Join us beginning October 26 to continue the conversation. And if you are a part of the AGEP community, whether you're a scholar, investigator, evaluator, or otherwise, I hope to see you at the conference on November 2nd through 4th in Corpus Christi, where Engineering Change will be recording live. There's still time to register. Visit engineeringchangepodcast.com for more information. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to visit our website, engineeringchangepodcast.com, to connect with the people and resources we mentioned on the show. You can also leave a message on our contact page if you have an idea for an episode 
Or if you have a question, ask, and we'll be sure to get it answered for you on a future episode. Thank you again for listening. I'm glad you're here, and I'm looking forward to engineering change with you. Thank you for joining us for Engineering Change. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast and visit engineeringchangepodcast.com to connect with the people and resources mentioned on the show. Until next time, remember, the best way to change engineering is by engineering change. Engineering Change.